0: Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you um, for the time that we have to gather now to examine uh, the topic of prayer and Christ's prayer life and our prayer life, and even uh, what we could say is a lack thereof. Um, would you, by your Spirit, work in us, uh, convict us, show us where. Uh, we need uh, to be more sanctified um, where we ought to be praying more. Uh, would you instruct us uh, this afternoon? Uh, we do bear in mind and bring before you those who are not with us, those who are sick, uh, such as Jonathan, those who are away on travel, such as the Ramoses and, and others, Lord. Uh, would you be with them? Uh, would they find great rest in you this day? Uh, and would you be glorified? In your name, amen. All right, well, here we are, the last topic in this Sunday School series on the imitation of Christ. Um, I do want to note that this series has not by any, me- any means been exhaustive. Uh, this has really just kind of been an introductory series, if you will, to kind of get us thinking about ways in which we can imitate Christ Um, and to walk in the steps that he has left uh, for us to follow in. Really, this was just six various aspects, but really, uh, hopefully it helps us kind of hone in on the fact that when we read through the Gospels and particularly examine the life of Christ, we see there are many things uh, that we can imitate. Um, You know, there's patience, there's gentleness, there's forgiveness, all things that we didn't touch on. Um, but certainly likely fall in some form or fashion under these six headings, if you will. But um, yeah, that's kind of what we've essentially walked through. And so now this final topic is, as you have heard, the imitation of Christ's prayer life. Um, I kind of purposely left this to the end, knowing that the next series is going to be um, done by Pastor Lynn Um, on the theology of christ's prayers or something of that nature and so my hope this morning is to look at the practical aspects to christ's prayer life to draw out from the instances in which we see that he prays and to to pull out principles from that about what we can imitate uh in that regard uh like i said it's a very practical look there'll be a lot of questions hopefully a lot of questions that make us think and to examine to consider our own prayer life Um, i think we would all agree that prayer is essential to the life of a christian it's something that we cannot do without Um, martin luther expressed this very thing when he said to be a christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing And those are two very good like comparisons. That to breathe would be to sustain life in some sense. And very much prayer would act in the same way to the Christian life. That to pray is to be alive spiritually. And as essential and necessary as prayer is, I think you would agree with me that it's something that we far too often neglect. It's something that unfortunately becomes kind of an afterthought or a last-ditch effort after we've done everything that we think we can do and now it's like, oh, now I'll go pray. Uh, But it ought not to be this way. Prayer is not just some magical act that we go before the throne of grace and just somehow we get our deepest desires granted or whatever the case may be. But if we contemplate what prayer truly is, prayer is undeserved it's a glorious privilege that we have whereby we have access to the throne of grace that what once separated the people of god the veil has now been torn in two and we can actually enter into the throne of grace and make intercession for one another to make our supplication to make our requests known this is what we have the ability to approach the almighty sovereign lord the one who upholds all things sustains all things is over all things and we can commune with him that's what prayer is communion with our god but do we see our need for it is it something that we're devoted to are we intentional about praying We all know, and we'll discuss this, the aspects of what we could call spontaneous prayer, the prayer that kind of takes place as we go throughout the day. But is there intentional prayer? Is there prayer where we seek to get alone and be deliberate about prayer? And so these are the things that we're going to consider as we look at Christ's prayer life and specifically doing it along this same outline. Essentially, Christ's need to pray, Christ's devotion to prayer, christ's location of prayer and that location has in mind this idea of being intentional Um, and then finally if we have time uh the content of christ's prayer just to examine what are some of the things that when we are seeing him pray what is the content of those prayers to kind of help us to see really we have a lot that we need to pray for not only for ourselves but ultimately even for one another and so Christ need to pray, this is a question that often comes to mind when you consider the, the life of Christ is, did Christ need to pray? What do you guys think? Did he need to pray? Was it something that he had to do? All right, I guess the answer, I see a lot of nodding of the heads. The answer is yes. Uh, he did need to pray. But the question is why? Why? He was God, right? so why did he need to pray? well, to pray for the father's will to be done, we certainly see that, but as much as he was fully God, you yeah, go ahead yeah, in some sense there was there was a setting an example for us there's no doubt about that, but that wasn't like the reason i don't think i think that that kind of flows from the fact that he did it but as much as go ahead what's that yeah i think there was a communion with the father he communed continually with the father did you have your hand up That's right. So he was fully God, fully man, and therefore in his person, there was a need for him to pray because of even that anointing, what he was sent to do to proclaim the gospel and to, to preach the good news. Um, so there was a need um, that was due in part to the mission he had to accomplish, and there was a need due in part to communion with uh, his father. Um, and this is something we certainly see that That he did this wasn't also just um even you know like terry had said it wasn't just necessarily example for example's sake but it was born out of that need but it left us an example to also follow in his steps as far as how he went about prayer and we see this in many places throughout the gospels if as i go through these we're going to hit a number of verses the good news is is these same verses will be repeated multiple times Because it's from these verses that we're going to actually draw out principles uh, in each of these. But, um, so if you have questions or need a verse repeated, don't, uh, you know, be afraid to say, hey, can you repeat that? But this is what we see. Many different places where we see that he prayed. And what's interesting, too, is we're not always told what he prayed. We're just simply told he prayed. um, And that he spent time in prayer. And so here are a few places we see that. Matthew 14, 23. Matthew fourteen twenty three it says after he had sent the crowds away he went up on the mountain by himself to pray and when it was evening he was there alone. Mark 135 and it happened that while or excuse me early uh, in the early morning while it was still dark Jesus got up left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. This is a verse that we will hit on at least two other times. Uh, because of what's there, I mean, you think about the fact that uh, he got up and went away to a secluded place. He did it while it was still dark. Uh, much to consider in, in that regard as far as his devotion and commitment to make sure he prayed. Uh, Luke nine eighteen, And it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. So we have to understand that alone in that case, if the disciples are with him, would have reference to the fact that the crowds weren't there. In that case, he was alone with his disciples, and he questioned them saying, who do the people say that I am? But in considering his need to pray, it's interesting to note that of the times that we see it mentioned that he went away to pray, it generally preceded a fairly significant event. Can you think of any events by which we see him go away to pray? yeah in the garden right um luke 22 41 uh, we see him praying in the garden before his arrest and subsequent suffering um it says there and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and began to pray any others that you can think of that's right the transfiguration that uh that would be uh, luke nine twenty-eight um some eight days after these sayings he took along peter and john and james and went up on the mountain to pray and if you remember it was actually as he was praying that he was transfigured before them any others Mm. yeah i have like the one right before that essentially like at his baptism That as the Spirit is descending before He's actually led away to go in and to be tempted, that we see Him praying. Luke 3.21 Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized, and while He was praying, heaven was opened. And His baptism, that event is obviously significant enough, but this was an instance in which it was shortly thereafter that He was led into the wilderness to be tempted. And then the final one that I have is the choosing of His disciples. Uh, Luke 6, 12, um, we read, it was at this time that He went off to the mountain to pray. And then notice the additional detail that we're told. And He spent the whole night in prayer. So the question that comes to mind is like, well, does that mean that like we imitate and we have to spend a whole night in prayer and so forth? Um, I don't think that we necessarily have to. I don't think that's like we have to imitate that way. I think it just shows, one, the situation, the choosing of the disciples and so forth, where he was uh, laboring in prayer uh, prior to that event. And it would do us well prior to significant events, such as like moving to Austin and so forth, to be bathing an event like that in prayer uh and and whatnot or whatever the case may be about a job about a move and so forth and that's what this ultimately leads to is christ wasn't beset with any sinfulness and yet there was a need for him to pray so naturally like if we think about ourselves it's we have tons of sinfulness we don't have all wisdom in in the fullest sense Uh, We don't know all things, and so do we see our need to pray? Do we take our need to pray seriously? Or as I said before, is it just, you know, I've done everything else that I can finally do, and then now I'm going to go and pray about it. When really it should be the first thing that we are turning to is, what does the Lord have for us? Uh, What is it that he would have us do? um listen to this quote from jc ryle on prayerlessness it's a short list but it should be effective enough to bring the many things to mind for which we need to pray sometimes we think we're sufficient in ourselves that we can do like even the simple things of life but this is what ryle says he says bibles read without prayer sermons heard without prayer engagements to marriage without prayer travel undertaken without prayer homes chosen without prayer friendships formed without prayer the daily act of private prayer itself hurried over or gone through without heart these are the kind of downward steps by which many a christian descends to a condition of spiritual paralysis or reaches the point where God allows him to have a tremendous fall. It's like when you think of this list, and there's many other things that probably come to mind, it's how can we not pray? There is so much that we need to bathe in prayer. We are not all-sufficient, all-knowing, all-powerful, but we are truly, think of when even a cold sets in, we're truly frail and weak. We can truly, in a sense of ourselves, do nothing. And yet in pride, we think we can do everything. And so I think to exhibit prayerlessness is in many ways to arrive at the height of pridefulness. Uh, prayerlessness is essentially saying that we can do it on our own, that we're self-sufficient. We have no need at all to request anything of God or to bring our supplication to Him. You guys have any comments or thoughts on that before we move on?: mm. Yeah, that's right. When we'll look a little bit later at the content of um, Christ's prayers, one of the things we see I guess I'll get to it now, I suppose but one of the things we see is Christ praying for the Father to be glorified. And even if you look at the Lord's prayer, the instruction on how we ought to pray, it's praying, hallowed be thy name, that he would show himself forth in all of his glory. Prayer isn't just so we can make requests before the Lord of things that we think we need or things that we want or whatever the case may be. Or like you said, we're in a very bad, tight situation and now, well, things were good, so I didn't need to pray and now I need to pray. But much of prayer is also to be communing with him and to be praising him for the fact that things are going well for the fact there hasn't been calamity uh, and so forth was that a hand okay i don't know i mean oh john newton yeah john newton yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's how quick do we say oh i got to get ready instead of getting up early to pray like we see that christ did in his devotion to prayer which we'll get to in a minute we tend to sleep in or take the extra time that we have to Uh, what we think will refresh us versus actually doing what would truly refresh us, what would truly um, prepare us for the day we think we need more sleep, not more prayer. Um, And so in in addition to his need to pray, Christ demonstrated a devotion to prayer. Um, Consider the fact that Christ experienced, except for sin, the things that we experience. Um, What does that mean? Well, he knew what it meant to be busy. He lived a very busy life. If you consider really what he was doing and all of the ministry that he had done to preach the gospel, and he was healing and performing miracles, and then how did he get town to town? That's right. There wasn't the hop in a car and I'm going to drive down the tollway and be there, and then, right? It was walking town to town, then ministering, sometimes long into the evening. And so he would get tired and he would even be fatigued. Like we even read at the woman at the well. What's that? That's right. And so his days were not days of leisure, uh, ease or comfort. But they were hard. They were often riddled with uh, confrontation and even people seeking to take his life. If you remember the times where they wanted to throw him off a cliff? So he did not have what was an easy life. He truly was busy. We tend to think we're busy. But then oftentimes, if we truly examine what we're doing with our time, between scrolling through the phone, through the internet, clicking through the channels, or whatever the case may be, we're not as busy as we think we are. And yet, what do we see with Christ? We see that he was devoted to... To prayer. He didn't allow his time of prayer to be diminished or to be taken over by ministry, by the needs of the people, by the fatigue of his body, but he knew what he needed. He needed to pray. He needed to commune with his Father. And it was actually something that he had to make an effort to do. How do we see that? Well, he had to adjust his schedule, as it were. I guess that's what we would say in our common day is that he had to adjust his schedule, whether it was early in the morning while it was still dark, up on a mountain in seclusion at night, and even all night as we read. He ensured that he prayed. Right? We remember what we read in Mark one thirty-five. Do you recall the time that it was when he went away to pray? Right? We read, in the early morning... While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. It was early morning. It was still dark. And he goes to pray. Or Mark six forty-five through 46. Here we have the opposite end of the spectrum. We see that he prays at night. There in Mark 6, uh, 45 through 46 it says immediately jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go ahead of them to the other side of bethsaida while he himself was sending the crowd away after bidding them farewell he left for the mountain to pray i'll remind you to go to the mountain to pray we all know all the orology that amelio throws out and so forth we're not going to get into that but if you just think about the practical aspects of having ministered all day and then like he climbs a mountain to go pray so you know he's not just going climbing stairs to get to your bedroom and into your closet if you wanted to if that's where you pray or whatever the case may be he climbed a mountain after all day of ministry to ensure that he prayed this was the devotion of Christ to prayer It was something that was interwoven into the very fabric of his day. In some sense, it's as if his day wasn't complete unless he had spent time in prayer with his father. Thinking of, if you think of when Christ's parents were looking for him when he was a child, where was he? He was in the temple. He had to be about his father's affairs in his father's house. He desired to be with his Father in communion. That's what his focus was. He didn't allow the ministry and the people clamoring after him and so forth to shield what was truly necessary and to distract from that. So given the fact that we see that Christ rose early to pray and that he prayed at night, even all night, what does this cause us to consider as it relates to our devotion to prayer? We're going to go through a number of practical questions. I don't even know. I didn't even count them. But there are things, questions that came to mind. There's three sets of questions I have that have to really do with tiredness, weariness, fatigue, have to do with time, and have to do with consistency and persistence in prayer. But we have to first understand, what is it to be devoted to prayer? What do you guys think devotion to prayer means? yeah i guess that sums it up if we're just going to get right to it that's essentially what it is it doesn't mean continuous prayer right continuous prayer would be what unceasing prayer where like literally like you wake up and it's like all you're doing is praying morning to night night to morning that's not something that's necessarily realistic in the fullest sense of what that would convey there are many times where we go through the day we're not praying in that same way even when we consider first thessalonians 5 where we're told you know to pray without ceasing that is not conveying like this continual aspect of prayer it really actually conveys what we see in luke 18 1 through 8 in that parable that he gives about the fact that they ought to pray at all times we'll look at it here shortly but it's actually conveying the idea of consistency and persistence in prayer there's it's a a habit that we have to pray that's what it is to be devoted to prayer it doesn't always mean like that's every minute of every waking hour and so forth that we're on our knees we probably should be in some sense but we also have things to do and the lord's aware of that and he's given us a work to do and so forth and so there's an aspect in which I think that as we go through our day, we should have a mindset of continual communion with our Lord and aware of, even as you prayed, or are prayed, as you mentioned, you know, the who do you have for me to meet with? Who am I speaking to today? What is it that you have me to do this day that I need to be aware of? Did you have a... Yeah, so... yeah. What's that? Not even the command of the king at the time to not pray. That was his devotion to prayer. I think that's a fair, uh, fair point. But we see this devotion to prayer mentioned in Scripture multiple times. Uh, Romans 12, 12, right? Be devoted to prayer. And there's other places. And so that's what it boils down to, in summary, is consistency, a habit um, of prayer. It's not something arbitrary that, Okay, now I finally have time, I'm gonna go pray. But it really should be something that we are committed to. So, here are the questions. First, on tiredness, weariness, and fatigue. We certainly all know the impacts of being tired. We had a long day at work, especially if it's shifts are changing. We have a number of people in the body that deal with that. Um, it could be extreme manual labor. We know all the issues. Um, that we can be tired after work at, at, or after a long day in the home with the kids. Uh, we also know the emotions that we are beset with. Our emotions are fickle. One minute we're like, I got this, we're, everything's good. And the next minute we're down here and we're miserable. And then we're kind of not all the way back up, but we're back and then we're back down. And we're like, man, I can't wait to pray. We delay praying and then also we don't desire to pray. Um, we know what that is like. How do we allow those things to impact our devotion to prayer? Remember, devotion to prayer is consistency. So how do we allow that to interrupt our consistency in prayer? Do we desire communion with our Heavenly Father just as Christ did? If you remember, right, he had long days of ministry and travel and yet still made time for prayer. Do we Or do we desire more to relax and to sit back, veg out, do mindless activity? Is prayer something we long for and cannot do without? Just like in some sense, like our day wouldn't be complete unless we had met before the throne of grace with our Heavenly Father. The second one is time. We saw that Christ made time for prayer because he saw it as essential. He didn't allow the busyness of the day to crowd out prayer. He adjusted his day. He got up early or he prayed late at night. Are we willing to get up earlier if need be? While it's still dark potentially? Too often what sometimes we say we have a really busy day ahead and so we need to get more sleep to make sure we are refreshed and ready to go. And I think we have it backwards. You know, there's many, I know Luther, I can't remember the quote, but he even said, he's like, I got, you know, a full day, busy day, or, you know, three hours of stuff to do, and I need to pray for two of them, or, you know, or pray like for two hours, and is that our mindset? Do we give time to prayer? Is it rushed? Is it something we hurry through and we check a box and, okay, well, I prayed, And then finally, consistency and persistence. As I said, Luke 18, 1 through 8, we see here where he gives them this parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. That pray at all times doesn't, again, convey this idea of continual, unceasing prayer. But to pray at all times conveys consistency and persistence in prayer. Um, and that's what we see in the parable right like, we have this unjust judge and the lady keeps going before him persistently consistently to where finally he grants what she is asking uh, i'm trying to think of where we are time-wise it's 208 um in this passage, I'll skip reading the passage, but I would recommend if you want to read it, like I said, it's Luke 18:1 through 8. But one commentator states in regards to this passage, Prayer is beset with opposition and discouragement. Pleas for justice go unheard. Answers are delayed. People cry out day and night. Prayer is not a parlor exercise, perfunctory and tidy. It is an existential battle, ongoing and ever-present. Hope against hope, as Paul would characterize Abraham's desperate prayer for his son, imploring God for the realization of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It is through prayer that we fight the spiritual battle that we are all in. Are we cognizantly aware that we are in a spiritual battle? And it's a shame that we are so willing to not pray. We cannot kid ourselves. Prayer or devotion to prayer, to be consistent in prayer, requires work. It takes effort. And it is something which we must be intentional about. That's where it's like verse, like intentional versus spontaneous. I think we all know those times where something happens during the day You see, you know, false teachers and false religions approaching your door and you're praying, okay, Lord, give me wisdom on how to address them or something happens in the workplace and you're quickly turning to prayer. That's the spontaneous type. But the intentional type would be, I'm at home, I need to get away to pray. You know what happens with me? I'm like, well, my girls are downstairs, my wife isn't feeling well and she's up in the bedroom and I don't have anywhere to go. I guess I'm not going to do it. That's not devotion to prayer in that sense. It's allowing the circumstances of the house makeup to determine whether I'm going to get away to pray or not. But what we saw with Christ is it's like send the people away like I need to get away to pray. That's the commitment, the consistency, the persistence that we need to have for prayer. And I was telling Amanda when I was preparing this, and even as I'm up here, like giving these exhortations, I don't do this as I should. I don't pray anywhere near how I should. So I'm with you all hearing this. I had to spend the week preparing this and looking at these questions as well. Um, It's much to examine on our commitment to prayer, my commitment to prayer did you have a question? Yeah, just uh what you just heard earlier, just how Christ had to tell his disciples to send them away so he could go pray. It's almost like he needed that time with God almost to rejuvenate yeah how either you can get yourself out of it or how other people can get you out of it right like that's that's exactly what we're essentially examining is our failure to see our need to pray and then to exhibit a devotion to prayer and then to do it even um, in regards to this third point on Christ's location of prayer. What we often see is can prayer take place anywhere? That's a pretty, that's right, that's a pretty basic question. (laughs) Yes, it can. Uh, We are able to commune in our mind as things are taking place right then and there, bam, right in to the throne room of God and be communing with Him. While everything is falling apart around you at work with the way people are acting, you can be in prayer and right in the presence of God with Christ interceding on your behalf. So it can take place anywhere. That is uh, certainly true. But what we also see in many of these verses is that Christ would go away. Uh, He would slip away to make sure that he was praying. There's no doubt that he would have communed with the Father throughout the whole day and, 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 and be in lockstep with him as he went through his day. But what we also see is that it was necessary for him to get away to pray. Mark 1:35 Again, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place to pray. We saw the same thing: that he went up on a mountain by himself to pray in Matthew 14:23, and he was alone there. Luke 5:16, but Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. Christ was continually being pressed in upon wherever he went. And prayer was a means by which he could retire alone, away from his disciples at times, away from the crowd to commune with his father, to refresh himself, as Brother Michael had said. One commentator states this, despite all the activity essentially going on around Christ and the people that wanted to take him and then uh, you know, uh, raise him up to be uh, a leader like politically, Jesus is portrayed as seeking time with God rather than fanning his fame. It's like, send the people away. I'm not about what you want to do with me. I'm about my Father's work. And so this is a very simple, straightforward principle to be gleaned from his prayer life. But are we intentional about our time of prayer? Do we get away to secluded places to make sure we pray, to be alone with him. And sometimes that looks like, my wife and I and others, John and Ginny were talking about this last night. Sometimes it's not even like words that are being said. You are just in a prayerful mindset, in the presence of God, allowing him to search you, to examine you. Luther said, I think it was something like, the fewer the words, like, the better the prayer, something along those lines. And what that is ultimately conveying is it's not just saying and saying and saying, and like, the longer the prayer, the better the prayer, or anything like that, but it's truly going before him with genuineness, pouring out your heart, and sometimes just sitting there, and allowing him to search you, to think through the scriptures, and then Something comes to mind and you're, bam, you're back. You're praying with words and then he's searching you. We need to put away the phones, put away the computers, put away the TV, put away all the things that distract us and go before our God. I don't do that nearly as much as I should. Yeah. Hmm. yeah i think that's a good point if you didn't hear uh Susanna wesley would put an apron over her head and the kids knew don't bother don't bother mama let her she's praying she's busy and in some sense that's very good where our children even know my parents get away to pray we don't do it to be seen by them or to have them like be in awe of us, but what they see is that we need to go before the Lord in prayer. And it teaches them that they need to go before the Lord in prayer. And so, I think that's a fair point. You don't necessarily, you know, you can't just leave your kids like running amok all over the house and, you know, flipping over cars in the neighborhood and stuff like that. But to have them know that right now, like, it may not look like it, but mama or daddy is praying. If I'm in this chair, I'm praying, don't approach me. If that's, if that's one of the, if that's the, you know, the, the, the holy chair in the house. Like if you're here, like I'm praying, talk to me when I'm not in this chair. Yeah, so that's true. They were doing it to be seen by people and they were thought to be religious by the words that they were using and how long their prayers were. That doesn't mean, I want to be clear, that doesn't mean that we can't go and spend two hours in prayer and just be pouring out our heart. It ultimately comes down to our motive and I would tend to think that if we are truly secluded, nobody's seeing us, there's not that motive to be saying a bunch of things but you're truly just communing with the lord and so long prayers are okay um i would even encourage them um sometimes it takes a bit to actually get into prayer how many times do we go pray where it's like the first bit is like just battling why is it that you know i think jai was even saying last night it's like we can sit and talk to each other no problem for hours we can talk basketball talk whatever and then we say, Well, I'm going to go pray. And it's all of a sudden like we're yawning. We're tired. We fall asleep in the first three minutes. It's truly, I mean, that's where the battle takes place. And it's like as if our flesh knows it, Satan and his uh, workers know it. And it's just, that is where the battle is. But it's necessary. And finally, the content of Christ's prayer. Quite simply, uh, we're not going to go into any like depth on this, but just to like, look at various things that Christ prayed for. We looked at a number of them, even in Ryle's quote, about you know, not buying a house without prayer, and not forming a strong friendship without prayer, and not taking a job without prayer, and so forth. But here are some of the things that we see Christ pray for. John 17 We see him pray that the Father would be glorified, right? Verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son would glorify you. We see him pray for preservation of the saints, uh, namely that they'd be kept, that they'd be preserved. Verse 11, Christ will no longer be with them physically in this world, and so he asks the Father to keep them. He says, Holy Father, keep in your name... The name which you have given me, or keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. So that also points out that he prays for our unity. We looked at that last week. Uh, That's in verse 11, verses 20 through 23. Verses 17 through 19 in that same chapter, we see him pray for sanctification. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent Them into the world, for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Eternal eternal dwelling with him. He prays that those who believe would be with him where he is. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. And then, of course, we know... uh, his instruction to his disciples when they had asked him to teach them to pray and what he gives them here is not a prayer to just be rotely like said and repeated right but these are various categories that we can break them down into as to what we can pray for praying for god's glory father hallowed be thy name praying for the coming of his kingdom your kingdom come we pray for our daily needs we're to pray for his providing hand to give us our daily needs our daily sustenance through this we do not presume that we will have anything of our own doing but that he is the sovereign provider to think that our job is there tomorrow we have no idea companies make decisions all the time to be like we're changing things and then gone We must recognize He provides our daily needs. If you think about what that means, our mortgages, our car payments, or whatever it is, it's like all of a sudden that can be in turmoil with one meeting at work. And so we must pray that He continues to provide our daily needs. How about for forgiveness? Praying for the forgiveness of our sins even as we forgive others. And then obviously to be kept from temptation to be preserved from falling. We show a dependence upon Him and seek for Him to preserve us that we may walk in a manner pleasing to Him. We're asking that He would keep us from temptation, that He would cause us to walk in His ways and the good works that He's prepared beforehand for us to do. And so we see that there's not a lack of things that we ought to be praying for. And so it should be much to our shame That we spend so little time in prayer that we think that the things that we have are just going to be there and there's no need and there's not going to be any problems and there's not going to be any issues and pretend there's none of that then we should still go to prayer to praise him to uplift his name to just enjoy his presence we have that ability that's what this is is that's why i say prayer is a privilege So the question we have to ask ourselves when we consider these things, you know, Christ praying for our unity, Christ praying for our sanctification, do we lift one another up in prayer? We often can certainly think of our own needs, but we also have the need to be praying for one another. Do we consider it a privilege to go and to labor on each other's behalf before the throne of grace? Because that's the privilege we have, me to lift you up, you to lift me up knowing that we all struggle with many of the same things we have the same needs we need to be made like christ and so we could be laboring not just for ourselves but for each other christ did that he prayed for his disciples uh, in general the church in general and he prayed for them specifically think of peter where satan is asked to sift him like wheat and he says but i have prayed for you and if you were at the men's study You know the word that was used there. It was deasis, as opposed to prescuo, which, let's be clear, deasis is an intense supplication, an urgent request being made. And so when you think about that in conjunction with what Peter was about to be be sifted like wheat, and Christ makes urgent supplication for him, we have those same needs to where we need to urgently bring one another before the throne of grace and generally pray for one another uh, each day. And so this is, the, the, this is uh, the end of the series. This is the imitation of Christ's prayer life. This is what we need to seek. Uh, these are just a handful of things to consider. But uh, hopefully it's been beneficial. It has been for me. I think the one who teaches cleans far more than those who have to or those who listen to the teaching uh for sure um so yeah let's go ahead and uh, go to worship